Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, we just want to thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, because I'm anointed to teach. I thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we we'll pray. Okay, so we've been going on and off on our conversation on Psalm 23. So I'd like us to get back there. And we're going to just briefly look at a phrase. Psalm 23 And we are going to look at verse 3 But we'll start reading from verse 1 Psalm 23 We're going to look at verse 1 to 3 And we're going to look at the last line in verse 3 The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want So the context of Psalm 23 is a contest of a shepherd and a sheep relationship. So the most important thing we must pick up from this psalm is relationship. Relationship. And that is what God ultimately wants for every one of us. The ultimate design of God for us is personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. And that's very critical. Now you must understand that coming for meetings or being, becoming part of a local church is a, is a spiritual requirement, but it doesn't mean anything. Uh, no, that's, that's wrong. Now, it doesn't connote that you are close to God or not. Alright? So you can constantly come to church and you live a life different from what you're being taught or what you're being instructed to. And so, coming to church is part of God's spiritual requirement for our growth. But actively living the Christian life flows out of what? Your personal relationship. So, for instance, as your pastor, what's my duty? My duty is to teach you God's word. The Holy Spirit is to convince you. And convince you that that word is true. But what you do as a result of that conviction and that convincing is between you and God. I cannot make you to live right. So there are limits to making you to do the right thing. Uh, do, do you follow what I'm saying? There are limits. Now, but if you have that active relationship between you and God, then God has that lordship over you to guide you to do the right thing. Do you follow what I'm saying? So, uh, even as much as I'm your pastor, there is a limit to how I can make you do the right thing. I'll teach you the word of God, I'll pray for you, I'll, you know, counsel, but ultimately you have to make that decision to do what is right. So the Bible speaking in the context of Psalm 23, it starts with the concept of personal relationship. Every sheep must do what? Must have a personal relationship with the shepherd. Let's pause here a bit. Let's go to John chapter 10. So we'll come back to Psalm 23. So John chapter 10. Because the context of the verse helps us to understand um, the meaning of it. John chapter 10 and we are going to read um, 
And when he brings out his own ship, I want you to look at that word, when he brings out his own ship, he goes before them. So who goes before them now? The Lord. He brings out his own ship and he does what? He goes before them and the ship follow him for they know his voice. So I want us to, think, to, to, to stay here for a, moment, for a moment. And when he brings out his own ship. I want you to pay attention to that word own. Personal. Personal. You must have an individual personal relationship with the father. His own ship. He goes before them. Going before them means he leads the way. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads the way. Right? And the sheep does what? Follow him. For, why do they follow him? They know his voice. So it tells us that the method of guidance is his voice. Right? Right. That's the method of guidance. Is his voice. Right? Because it is through the voice... Because knowing of the voice is what the sheep is going to use to follow the shepherd. So it was said, uh, this is Bible history now, or Bible, uh, Bible history. It was said that uh, the shepherds each have a unique way. Okay, the way we'll understand it, let's not use sheep and shepherds now. Let's use dogs. For those of you who like, who like dogs. Eh? Um, you know you can have maybe... Ten dogs in one place. And there's a way you particularly call your dog. Right? And you know if you are the, sh- the shepherd of that dog now. You're the good shepherd. Right? <laughs> Some of you lead your dogs to bones. Uh, others lead their dogs to green pastures. So the difference is very clear. Alright? Now, if you are the good shepherd and you come to where there are many dogs or even your dogs are straight and you blow your unique whistle, what's going to happen? Your dog is going to come out. How is your dog going to follow you? Your voice. Right? Your voice. Now, your voice is the unique relationship you have. You have a relationship with the dog, but your voice is that communication. That's why one of the best things to teach any believer is how to hear God for themselves. How to hear God for themselves. It's the best thing. If you can learn to follow the voice of the Spirit on your inner man, you would, you, would, you, would, you would be able to follow the Lord perfectly. The challenge most of us have is that we shut our conscience to the voice of God. That even, God, even though God is telling us that this is wrong, don't do this, we go ahead and do it and consistently shut down the voice of God. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, so the voice is that connecting point, right? Let's, let's read the next verse, verse 5. Yet, they will by no means follow a stranger, but we flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So we've got two voices here, right? We've got the voice of God, and what? The voice of strangers. Okay. So the fact that you hear a voice doesn't mean it's the voice of God. So that's the balance there. 
Because then you hear people come and tell you, God said, God told me, God said, I heard God, I perceived God, God told me, in fact. And you know, so, so you understand that voice doesn't mean it's God. It has to be God's voice. If not, you will be misled by the voice of strangers. And that's why you cannot build your life as a New Testament believer on just prophetic words. Right? The Bible says we do not despise prophecy, but we test all spirits. You can listen to our, uh, our teachings on, uh, how do we call that again? Biblical prophecy or something. Right? We don't, we don't throw away the prophetic gifting, but we test all spirits to make sure that the voice we're hearing is the voice of God. So the voice of God is the connecting point of our relationship. Now if you go to Genesis chapter 1, let's go there now. Uh, is it chapter 1 now? No, no, no. Chapter... Um, chapter 3 and verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And you know, this is very common that when people sin or when, they, when people fall short of the glory of God, what they do is that they run away from God. You cannot cure sin by running away from God. How do you cure sin? By running to God. Okay? So you find people say, oh, I've done this, it's so bad, I don't want to stay in church. So backsliding starts from the voice of condemnation. Once the voice of condemnation starts, then people start staying away from the presence of God. So you realize that some people just stay away from church after they've done something wrong. Not because anybody's pursuing them, but they just now get that in, into, into that condemnation and then they stay away from church. Now, there are also people who would, <laughs> I mean, they'll live crazily and they'll still come and say, well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Those ones will not run away. They will even run straight to the throne. But not acknowledging their sin. Now, without acknowledging that you have done something wrong, you cannot obtain forgiveness. Because you cannot forgive a man who is not wrong. Because what we've also found out is people taking the message of grace and then living a, a careless life and coming to say that Jesus has paid for their sins. Now, the Bible clearly tells us that if we sin, we have an advocate. Now, the provision for our sin in this day and age is Jesus Christ being our advocate. And the scripture now clearly says that if you confess your sin, He is faithful. Meaning He is consistent and just. He's got the legal ability and right to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you have two extremes. So you have people who run away from God when they've done something wrong. That's not right. And then you have people who are bold with their sins. Without acknowledging and confessing and trusting for forgiveness and receiving forgiveness with the caveat that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you will live right. Are we together now? Alright. 
So it's important. So in both ways, when we fall short in our work, what do we do? We have an advocate. So when we come to the presence of God, what do we do? We confess our sins before our advocate and we receive forgiveness. And then he does what? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So what is the, what is the role of grace there? Grace has made the provision for our forgiveness. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So, verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he says, Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? That means communication took place about his nakedness, right? So it means that it was not only the voice of God he heard. Now, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, it's the woman you gave me to be with me. She gave me the tree and I ate. Interesting. You see, right, right here is the number one problem why people do not make progress in life. They always have someone to blame. Right? Can you imagine an, a matured man? And God says, why did you partake of this thing and he says it's the woman you gave me she gave me and I ate it was as if if Eve kidnapped him tied his hands right and when he finished eating you know it's amazing how much we lay blames on why we are not doing the right things one of the best things you will ever learn in life is to assume responsibility for your choices even if they are wrong don't say it is because of this that I did this. No. You did it because you wanted to do it. Are we together? Alright. So, how did we get to Genesis? Voice. So, it was through the voice that even God was communicating with Adam. Alright. So, let's go back to Psalm 23. And we build from there. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So you all observe the word my, and then in John chapter 10, observe the word his own sheep, right? So the Lord calls you his own sheep, you call the Lord my shepherd. So on both parts of the equation, there is a personal relationship, alright? So he goes on to say, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So I know Pastor Ono's thought on uh, restoring your soul. So I'm talking about leading you in the paths of righteousness. The first thing, one of the things that you will find out that is consistent in your relationship with God is that God will lead you in the paths of righteousness. Some translation says he leads me in the right path. To do what is right. The Lord will always lead you to do what is right. For his namesake there, the, the namesake there is more like what he said in uh, Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17. Let's put that up quickly. Isaiah 54 verse 17. And I want to show you something there. Uh, I want you to pick the line. Um, Isaiah 54 17. I want you to pick the line. Their righteousness is of me. 
No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. So, um, some translation uses the word that righteousness is of me, comes from me, of, when you say like David, the son of Jesse, meaning David came from Jesse, or the, like the new King James, you find out I say that righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So, the reason we are able to speak against any weapon that's formed against us and to condemn every tongue that rises up against us is because we are standing in the righteous ability of God. Right? So he says, their righteousness is of me. So I want you to see something here. That the Lord leads you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, the, 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 the issue about name in the Hebrew, um, in the context of Hebrew or Bible studies is this. Names were not just, you know, for us, we pick names out of uh, beauty, you know. So I remember there was a particular time in, in church where it was taught so loudly, people should change their name, you know, change your name. So you had people starting to bear uh, uh, Maxwell Wealth, you know, Maxwell Excellence, Favor Success, uh, Breakthrough Anointing, you know, these people should kind of do all of that. And then uh, you also now had a time where we're in school and, you know, People were now picking very nice names. They would just go on the internet. What's your name? My name is Spencer. <laughs> what does Spencer mean? No idea. Just something nice, you, you know. So, to us, names are just um, means of identification. Right? Come on, are we together? Names are means of identification, right? So, maybe you have one funny robot name, you know. Um, like in school, people used to ask me, what's your middle name? You know, so the name is just E. So what's your middle name? I'll just say it's E. What does it really mean? You know, just, just leave it as E. It's fine like that. It's easier for you because any attempt to pronounce my middle name, you will not like it. Understand that? So, and that's not to give you an assignment to find out. Let me really find out. Don't bother. <laughs> you know? So, but in Hebrew, the concept of name is not identification. The concept of name is nature. So God will come to, to, to Jacob and say, Your name means supplanter. That's your nature. That's who you are. But from today, you will be called Israel, a prince with God. So what God was doing was not just changing his name for identification, but was doing what? Giving him a complete nature. So if you go to Genesis, if you study Genesis chapter 1 to 3, when God told Adam to name the animals, he says whatever name God, uh, Adam gave to the animals, that was the name it was. Now, it wasn't like God, uh, Adam just said, uh, you're a lion, the, ah, elephant, you snake. Now what happens actually is that when, when Adam gave those names, it was part of co-creation with God. So whatever name Adam gave was actually impacting that same nature. To them. That is why, now listen very carefully to what I am saying. That is why in the epistles, especially the Pauline epistles, Paul always refers to the believer as saints. Even when he was addressing whatever conduct they had, he always referred to them as what? As saints. Why was he referring to them as saints? Because the, the fact that they were born again in their spirit has made them the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he has to call them by their new nature. 
So a saint is not someone who dies and then the Pope decides to canonize him uh, 20, 20, 30 years later. A saint is a person who is a believer in Christ Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So, uh, why I'm saying all of this, it says, go back to Psalm 23, it says, He leads you in the path of righteousness for His namesake. Not just because of the name of the Lord, but for His nature's sake. Because His nature is righteous. God's nature is righteousness. You understand that? God's nature is righteousness. So, because His nature is righteousness, the natural default way the Lord is going to lead you is in the paths of righteousness. Okay? Are you here? Come on, come on. Are you here? Alright. Job 36, verse 3. Job 36, verse 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Job 36, verse 3. Are you there? Okay. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. Now, look at this word. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. I will fetch knowledge from afar. I will ascribe... Do you have the amplified version there? I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. So you must understand the context of righteousness. He said I will ascribe also. Okay. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. I will bring my knowledge from afar and I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. So you understand that in, 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 in the context of God, what we ascribe to Him is righteousness. So if you are the sheep of God, where God, the paths that God wants to lead you are paths that are consistent with his nature, which is righteousness. Are, are you following what I'm saying? I, 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 I really don't talk about politics because that's not my domain. But if you follow me on social media, I wrote something three days ago. It's called Pastors, Politics and Prophecies. And I said very clearly that as we approach 2019, all pastors are going to start prophesying who God said will win, who God said will not, and all the drama. Now what you find out is that Jeremiah clearly says that I've sent these prophets and, and, and I've not sent them and they prophesied. Now there is the will of man and there is the will of God. Now as, as, as a pastor, you're also a human being, right? You, you, you're a human being, so you have your preferences. Now, because you have your preferences, if you're not careful, your preferences can come out as the prophetic word of the Lord. So the first thing you want to do as a minister of the gospel is if you feel the Lord has spoken to you about who will become president, is to be sure that it's not your preference. That's one. Number two, I gave four ways in which the church can contribute to a better nation. Number one, you have to pray. Now, I've heard even believers say, we have prayed enough. Prayer is enough. That's a believer that is ignorant. You pray. Number two, you train others to pray. Number three, progressives must engage the system. There's nothing like politics is a dirty game. There are believers whom the Lord has called and anointed and are passionate about those dimensions. They have to be released. They have to be supported. But the greatest things that pastors can do for the elections in our nation is to train the children of God to do what is right. So if you are, because some of you will be polling unit agents, you 
Go there and God will lead you in the path of righteousness on election day to say, listen, you might rig every other polling unit, but this one, we will do what is right. That is the church's greatest contribution to the nation during elections. Giving the electoral process righteous men who would stand for what is right. Because to be honest, I mean, a greater percentage of those they are going to use to run ballot buses, steal ballot buses, configure figures, say all kinds of things, they come from our church. I mean, there are people in our church here who are members of PDP and APC. I mean, it's, it's clear. Right? I know PDP members, I know APC members who listen to me every day. My greatest, the greatest thing you can do for me as your pastor is come 2019, do what is right. Do, do you understand that? That God leads us in the paths of righteousness. You follow your political convictions, but whatever you do, you do as what? As unto the Lord. You don't say, Pastor, this is politics. Ah! Pastor, you will not understand. No, I don't understand. And I really don't want to understand. The only thing that guides the believer is what? The word of God. So if the Lord is your shepherd, what will he do? In every area of your life, he will lead you in the paths of righteousness. To do what is right. If you see someone who is not doing what is right, he is not being led of the Lord. The Lord will always lead you in the paths of righteousness. Are you following this? This is where the difficulty is. So, you know, if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He Let me be green pasture. I dry still water. If my head oil, you know those ones are fine. This is the difficult part in this verse. Leading in the path of righteousness. This is the difficult part in this verse. And then you now observe, go to Psalm 23. <laughs> Psalm 23. You now observe that it is after being led in the path of righteousness, right? No, no, go, go, go. Yeah, path of righteousness. Go to verse 4 for me now quickly. He leads me in the path. Being led in the path of righteousness that it comes to say. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because if that path of righteousness is taking me through a situation that looks like death, because it is the Lord leading me to happen, I'll fear no evil. Do you see the context of it? Come on, saints, do you see the context of it? So, you cannot just say, you cannot just be walking on your own and say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, are you the one leading yourself there? You cannot say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, if you have not been led in the paths of righteousness. So, you observe why nothing could touch Joseph? Why is it that nothing could touch Joseph? Because the Lord was leading him in the path of righteousness. That even when he stood before Potiphar's um, wife, what happened? He says, I fear God. So even when Potiphar now took him through the valley of the shadow of death of prison, what happened? He feared no evil because the Lord was with him. The Lord can only be with you in the path that is leading you. Right? Like what we started discussing on Sunday, following God's plan for your life. Alright, 
can only be with you in the parts where he's leading you. And that is why it is important. I'm, I'm really glad, I mean, with what the Lord is doing with us here in this local assembly. That's why it is important for us to take time to study scriptures in context. Because now, Psalm 23 now makes a whole new meaning to you. Understanding the context of the word, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So it's not saying you get up, you direct your life, you just keep walking and say, oh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. No, there's a context to why if you're walking through that shadow. Are you first of all being led in the paths of righteousness? Because sometimes the paths... Hey guys... The path of righteousness will take you through the valley of the shadow of death. And if the Lord is taking you through that lane, what's going to happen? The Lord will keep you. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 25. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 25. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Deuteronomy 6.25. Are you there? Then it shall be our righteousness. What will be our righteousness? Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as He commands us. So, what is the definition of righteousness here? Anyone? What's the definition of righteousness here? Observing to do His command. So, within the context of Him leading us in, in the path of righteousness is obedience. That's just what it means. It means you obey the commandments of God. What are the commandments of God? The word of God. The instructions of God. How will God lead you in the path of righteousness? It's, it's, it's very few times in your life that the Lord is going to come to you with instructions. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do this. Do this. Very few times. What's going to just happen is, if you keep walking the word, you will walk in the path of righteousness. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Just do what the word says you should do. Very few times will the Lord give you maybe specific instructions by, by revelation or by vision. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 123. So we're, we're just looking at that. You know, sometimes I, I love how the Lord works. Let, let me say something to you. If you... And my wife always keeps saying this. If you actually have a unique relationship with the Lord, the Lord will always speak to you. He will keep you. He will guide you. Um, see, never tamper with your relationship with God. It's the best safety procedure. Right? In life. Uh, three nights ago, I, I rarely dream. Now, when I mean I rarely dream, it's, it's not as if I don't dream, right? But I don't really pay so much attention to, to my dreams because my dreams are majorly made up of whatever I've been thinking of throughout the day. If I'm thinking football, then I play football in the dream. If I was hungry before I went to bed, then I eat. If I wanted to travel, then I'm in the plane. You know, all kinds of things. So, but I was in this dream and I, uh, I, I was with a friend of mine and I heard her saying Lagos and I'm relocating to Lagos. Something about Lagos. So I, I woke up. And we've not talked for maybe three, four months. But I knew the Lord wanted me to communicate to her. So I called her up. I said, I, I don't know if you have anything to do with Lagos. But I sense that the Lord will 
Uh, it's beginning to just put that in your heart. And then she tells me, that's uh, Pastor Fanny. Then she tells me that, oh, that uh, she was in Lagos to preach last month. And she met a group of young people. And the Lord was willing to lay in her heart to start like a prayer meeting for them. But she wasn't so sure about Lagos. So she said, oh, when she comes home, you pray about it. Now, this is what I'm trying to, 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 to go through. Because the Lord wants her to be engaged and to do that. Right? The Lord could speak to me and to speak to her about it. So it is, what I'm saying is that these are rare occasions. This is not how the Lord leads. But even if the Lord needs to, let me tell you something. If you have a unique work with God, even before anything will come to you, those closest to you will pick it up. If you have godly friends, they will pick it up. Are you following what I'm saying? I strongly believe that before any evil befalls a child of God, God will speak. God will instruct. God will warn. And that's why you must also have people around you who are sensitive to God. So that in the times where you are also not hearing God's voice, there can be people in your life that God can trust. And not be the kind that when they call you, you don't say, "Ah, no, God has not said to me. Because certain times, you might be so busy and caught up with the activities of life that God is speaking and you're not listening. But this is not the default, right? This is not how the Lord will lead. What's the way the Lord will lead? Your daily obedience will be how He will lead you in the path of righteousness. Why I brought that example is to tell you this, that listen, even if the Lord needs to speak to someone to get something to happen in your life, the Lord can make it happen. And is that not what He did in the life of Joseph? That's what He did. He spoke to, to Potiphar, reminded the guy, the one who picked Joseph. God has all these things connected. Are we there in Psalm 119, verse 123? Psalm 123, Psalm 119, verse 123. We're just looking at lead, lead in the path of righteousness. Psalm 119, verse 123. Just stay in Psalm 119. We're going to read like four verses there. Psalm 119, verse 123. My eyes fell from seeking your salvation. And your righteous word. Another translation says, My eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. So, the word of God is called the righteous word. So, if God is going to lead you in the path of righteousness, simply put, what is He going to lead you in? In the path of His word. God is not going to lead you outside of His word. That's why every vision you have must be consistent with the word of God. God is going to lead you within the parts of his word. Let's go to verse 138. The same Psalm 119, verse 138. Verse 138. What does it say? Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and very faithful. Let's start reading from verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your, your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and very faithful. His testimonies, his words are righteous. Go to verse 142. Verse 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Your law is truth. Let's go to Psalm, the same Psalm, verse 144. That's Psalm 119, verse 144. 
The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. The believer's life is based on understanding. Hallelujah. The believer's life is based on understanding. So God's word are his righteousness. Verse 172. Let me give you an assignment tonight. When you go back home, spend time to read this Psalm 119. It stops in verse 176. It's a beautiful psalm. Just read it from verse 1 to 176. It's a beautiful psalm. Let's look at verse 172. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteous. All your commandments are righteous. There's no word of God that is not righteous. There's no instruction of God that is not righteous. So when God begins to lead you in the path of righteousness, what is God doing? He's leading you actually in the path of His commandments, of His word, of His instructions. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 28. Let's wrap up there. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 28. Proverbs 12 and verse 28. In the way of righteousness is life. And it, in its pathway there is no death. Let's have the amplified version. In the way of righteousness is life. If we will allow God to lead us, we will find life in that path. Look at it. Life is in the way of righteousness. Look at it. Moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. In every area. Upholding the highest moral standards. The child of God must uphold morality. You mustn't be found in your office doing what is wrong. Look at it. And in its pathway, there's no death but immortality, perpetual eternal life. We can only find life as we follow the paths of righteousness. God's instructions to us are not grievous. Make up your mind that you will be someone who pursues the path of righteousness. And even when you make mistakes, come back to the Father and keep on that path. In that path is life and there is no death. Because even in the valley of the shadow of death, what is going to do? He will keep us. He will lead us out. We will come out victorious. He leads us in the path of righteousness. Righteousness must become a big issue in our midst again. Amen. It must become a big issue. It's amazing how you would tell a brother will tell you, I am coming to see you, pastor. Two months. Can't keep their word. Right? There are people, I mean, there are people in my life that if they, if they call me and they say, hey, or for instance, I need a bit of help, I need, maybe I need social money, I'm going to give you back in two weeks. I will not even think twice about it. Do you understand? Like, I will not think whether the person will pay or not. There are some people, if they call me, Even with lawyers um, that there is a seal. That, you know, when lawyer wants to put a seal, they put all this like that. If the lawyer cut their blood and say, my blood is the seal of this document, I will still say God. Because they never keep their word. It starts from keeping your word with people. I'll be there, be there. 
Are you following what I'm saying? One of the first things my dad taught me in ministry say, if you go to someone else's church to preach and they tell you this is how much time you have, it doesn't matter the revelation you came home with. Stick with your time. I've gone to places to preach. I mean, I went to one very strange place like that to preach. Very strange. It was called a church. Traveled far away in those days of ministry. When they brought traditional dancers. They dance, 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 dance. Then I said, ah, that group. And there's another group. <laughs> they dance, dance, dance. I thought I was in, in, in the passport. They dance and dance and dance. Reciter people came. They recite. Poem came. Memory verse. Children. The teenagers. The adult choir. Medium age choir. Children choir. Ah, ah. Then the pastor now came. He used 30 minutes to prepare people. To receive the word. Then they gave me the microphone. After about 15 minutes, they now sent me a paper. So you have five minutes more. <laughs> I just pushed push to like 16 or 17 minutes. And I sat down. Integrity, integrity and righteousness means staying within the boundaries. right framework not exceeding that which is even allotted to you upholding the highest standards of morality even in your words, in your conduct and every day, every day in our world we find things who, that brings this standard down and it's almost like the church is in a conflict, do we lower our standards to accommodate people or do we keep upholding the righteous standards of the word? And that's the greatest battle. The greatest battle you're going to face ever in this life is when it comes to God leading you in the path of righteousness. Because the truth of the matter is that sometimes the path of righteousness will take you right down through the valley of the shadow of death. It might not lead you to the pinnacle. And I believe that it is time we begin to embrace righteousness for what it is. Because for the sake of righteousness, people lost their life. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you following what I'm saying? Uh, well, I mean, Nigerian stories sometimes is not what you should preach with because sometimes the facts, you are not even sure. But let's just take the case of this Lea Sharibu girl that they released many, like I said, you know, it's just what we read, so let's just believe it is the way it happened. The fact that she was the only Christian girl and then she wasn't released question is, would it have been wise for her to just say no, I don't believe in God and find her freedom or to stand for the faith and be kept back our problem began in the body of Christ when we started teaching people that if you stand for what is right, you are going to be successful and so people could not understand why sometimes righteousness looks like you are suffering, because our definition of success began to change to be the material benefit of your decisions. And so even when we raise up a Joseph, for instance, we raise up a Joseph that made one decision, and the next point where we raise Joseph is when he became a prime minister. And we paint so much of Joseph being a prime minister that we forget that this guy actually went through 
years of imprisonment. Now, this is not to scare you, right? It's just to tell you that, listen, we don't have an option. We have to stand for what is right. Praise the name of the Lord. It might not bring the crowds. It might not make us popular. But we must die to ourselves. One of the reasons why believers compromise a lot is because of materialism. What to get. What to eat. What to drink. That's why in Matthew 6.33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And these other things that will make you compromise His righteousness will do what? Will be added to you. It is in seeking His righteousness that we see the Lord naturally adding things to us that we would have compromised our faith to get. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.